We have decided that we're no longer going to be doing privacy-focused analytics. Apologies to our privacy officer, Ree. It just requires too much to do when it comes to ongoing compliance. So we've decided to pivot and we're now going to be positioning ourselves as simple, sexy analytics. I like it. I'm curious how sexy is each page on my website? How sexy is each refer that sends traffic to my website? And how sexy is the browser that a person is using to visit the website? Hello and welcome to the Above Board podcast, the Fathom podcast, the Paul Jarvis and Jack Ellis podcast. We hope you're doing well. Handsome, handsome Jack, we got to keep, keep up with the intro here. <laughs> oh yeah, the pivot, the pivot, the pivot, the pivot. <laughs> no, we, we, we digress, we joke, we're only joking, we're staying privacy focused, but we have been doing a lot of compliance work with our privacy officer. You see, because most companies don't actually do this. I, I don't want to name any names, obviously. But we are investing heavily, we're working with a genius, and holy, there's a lot of stuff. Things are changing. Things don't stay the same. They change all the time. And it feels really good to have someone on board to help us with that, because, wow. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. But, I mean, it's useful. And I think the most important thing is, if we're marketing privacy, it's fundamentally how Fathom is built, obviously, but also... We want to make sure that we are, like you said, up to date with privacy issues and laws and compliance, and also understanding that as things change in the future, we still want to be as compliant as possible and protect our customers as much as as possible. Absolutely. It's a lot of work, but somebody's got to do it, and we're lucky enough to have Re. (laughs) (laughs) We're lucky enough that neither of us two have to do it. Yeah, and Re Re loves it. She's great, so... Um, we said before, if you ever need help with your privacy stuff, let us know. We'll connect you with Ree. She's solid. So, yeah. So, first thing I want to talk about today, I recently spoke at Laracon. That was yesterday. And it was uh, it was a good talk, but the code quality, you know, you, you screen share on the code. I was trying out this new software called ManyCam. And we had all these special effects and it was it was a virtual webcam, basically. And because of that, Zoom compressed the hell out of the quality. So when people watched it, they couldn't see half the stuff I was talking about. So that sucked. I got, got, got trolled pretty badly and lots of memes were sent my way uh, in the in the Laracon um, Discord. But, uh, you know, you can't blame people. It's, it's deserved. It's pretty funny. But fortunately, there's going to be a high quality replay where you can read all of the code on the Laracon website. And, you know, we spoke about how we scaled our cron job and that kind of thing. It's pretty interesting talk, actually. So if you haven't got Laracon tickets, it's $29 and go take a peek. And there's and there's a cameo from one of our favorite internet No, no, people. no, you can't, you can't say that. That's a surprise. Oh, you can, no, I didn't say who it was, though. Oh, okay. I didn't say okay. who it was. There's a cameo. Yes, it is. Very true. Uh, so that's all done. It was a very good day. We had, you know, people like Adam Watham was on there talking about Tailwind. Um, Taylor talked about Laravel 8, which has some huge changes, API-related changes that are going to benefit us. We're very excited about that. Um, Caleb Porzio spoke about Livewire. Interesting. I messaged Caleb, and if he's got time to talk to me about um, Livewire, I am going to consider moving, for sure. So good good times were had by all, even though nobody could actually see your code samples. Yeah, basically. 
I mean, it's, it's, I wish that you could, I wish that video, and I understand video streaming is intensive in terms of bandwidth up and down, but it ju- it shouldn't downsample as much as it does. It just seems like, <laughs> I mean, it, there were, it was a joke when people were saying it was like at 140 um, resolution, 140p or like 240p. Like it, it downsampled a lot, and I watched your video um, at normal resolution, and it was good. So I, the, I don't the, understand the, though. The, so we we tested it on Zoom, right? Uh, because the conference yeah. was in Zoom. Does it do something when there's a huge conference? Because person to person, it was absolutely fine. So does it do something when? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. This is why we do analytics, man. This is why we don't have a, a privacy, a sex, sorry, a sexy focused video conferencing software solution. And we don't use Zoom. But we don't look, we, we use Zoom. Uh, Zoom, Zoom's a, Zoom's a burning dumpster fire. Yeah. We, sorry, if you, sorry if you're the CEO of Zoom listening to our podcast, no. which I'm sure is going to happen now based on our track record. I, honestly, Laracon and I guess, <laughs> yeah, uh, accountants, I never use Zoom. Me and you use Tuple and Telegram. Um, so yeah. telegram does have video now we haven't actually we haven't tried that because i don't need to see your handsome face mm-hmm. um but we haven't tried the vi- we haven't tried video and telegram there aren't any good solutions like we, we can we can slag off zoom all we want but there really aren't like it's i guess better than skype other than pri- like privacy issues aside obviously but there aren't really good video conferencing options they're all shit it's just like airlines and banks. The <laughs> best airline and bank is still the shittiest airline and bank. And video conferencing apps go in that category of, yeah, even one that's pretty good is still the worst ever. Yeah, because Zoom had a lot of potential. I wonder how it would go. I'm sure they'll still make money, but yeah. I'm, I'm not too convinced on Zoom, to be honest with you. But hey, no. hey-ho, that was, that was how it went. And there's a replay on there, so I'm not too worried. So a lot of talk on Twitter recently about different startup ideas and how do I know if I have a good startup idea. This, this, topic, this topic has been talked to death. And I do, we spoke about this, it boils down to one simple thing. And that's, can you build an audience behind your idea? Now, I, read, I think it was Adam Wathen actually that tweeted a thread. He was talking about his personal journey. One of the things he said was that he he said that analytics are overrated, which uh, I disagree. With. <laughs> I disagree with for obvious reasons, but we won't get into that. He was saying that he didn't use um, website analytics for him, but predominantly he built his profile on social media. So there are very different ways of building audiences. Um, you build your mailing list, your social media, that kind of thing. But I, I mean, on the analytics piece, for me personally, for my content, um, I it guided me. So I'll talk about my course and I'll talk about our content that I've written. I wrote an article about moving to Laravel Vapor on Fathom, okay? And I don't want to call it a throwaway piece because I obviously put a lot of work into it. But I thought, oh, a few people will find this I interesting. I put a lot of work fixing your grammatical mistakes too. <laughs> yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't downplay that. <laughs> so yeah, after Paul spent all his time fixing my mistakes, we published this article. And I just, it was like, okay, cool, it's out there. And then I'm getting hundreds of emails about Vapor and I'm looking at the traffic and the traffic every single week, this article is doing well. And even to this day, the article is doing well. So I'm looking at the analytics, I'm getting emails. I'm thinking, damn, I've really hit a nerve here. People are interested in this. 
So I decided to make a course and that course, yeah, that course has done over over six figures now. I spoke about this before. It's done six figures. So you can use different things to indicate whether you have an audience for a product. Do you need analytics? Maybe not. Adam says he didn't use analytics. Uh, but there are different ways of doing things and there are different ways of validating whether there's an audience for a product. Yeah. I mean, if you don't value analytics, you're not going to value analytics. Like Fathom isn't for everybody. Analytics aren't for everybody. Like social media isn't for everybody. There are a lot of people that don't use social media and that's fine. It did. We're, we've never said that we're for everybody anyway. So if somebody doesn't use analytics and yeah, that's, that's fine. I completely understand because I don't use every software product out there either. <laughs> I think that would be, be very hard to do that. But I think having some measure, and really that's why Fathom exists because the, the, the thesis of data and aggregate is just as useful because data and aggregate shows trends and shows what's popular and what's not. Like you said, that Vapor article led you to build the course. Pretty much everything I do, the, the book Company of One is because, only exists because an article that I wrote on questioning growth became my most popular article to my mailing list. Analytics weren't involved in that because it was an, an email to my mailing list, but replies were. So it depends on what needs to be measured to gauge it. But if we look at Fathom as well, right? Like I tweeted, a, I spent a few hours redesigning what I thought analytics should look like. So I was pissed off at Google Analytics years and years ago before there was such a thing as simple privacy or simple sexy analytics. And that tweet got way more likes, way more retweets than anything I'd ever done. And I was like, oh, okay, there's like this is something people are interested in. And people were like, take my money. Like that that gift from Futurama of um Fry holding out the wad of cash, like take my money. And that really showed like, hey, there's there's something here, right? Like I don't think I think it's very hard to build a product and then look for an audience because it's it's a guess right? But if you try things that don't take very long and see, hey, does this thing have an audience? And if it does, then hey, you can proceed, you can do a little bit more work. If it doesn't, then whatever, it's not, it's nothing personal. Like it's not a, it's not a strike against your intelligence or anything. It's just like, hey, this thing might not work. I've had so many products that I have tried to create or written about or tweeted about that got no traction. And I'm like, okay, I guess this isn't going to be a thing. And it's like, okay, let's move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. I think why start a company or why build a product that is an uphill battle right from the start with trying to get people interested in it, right? Like it's hard enough to run a company. Why add more difficulty into the mix? Yeah, no, for sure. I think you need to be able to, just extending on the audience thing, you need to be able to measure it in some way. I really do believe that. Um, whether that's Twitter analytics, Twitter likes, Twitter retweets. But, I mean, even seeing the referrer helps. Seeing referrers help see the different kinds of audiences that are interested in your product. I mean, an example, I wrote about the tech stack that Fathom uses. We got a lot of traffic on that article. We got a few interactions on Twitter, but the traffic is far past what we got on Twitter. In addition, my viral, you know, the article about going viral. Um, Yes, I, that, that went viral. That, the article, the article went viral, but even outside of Twitter, it's still getting traffic. So I'm just like, okay, story-based pieces are obviously popular. I didn't even intend for that to go. And dude, the Vapor article about the moving to Vapor in the last seven days has still had tons of traffic. So again, I'm not tweeting about this, but that's me looking at my analytics is telling me, okay, people still want me to write about Vapor. I'm going to do that. So 
Yeah, I think you've just got to, you've got to pick your, at the end of the day, you've got to pick your tools and you've got to learn how to use them in the best way possible and then dedicate yourself to them. So no, I was talking about Adam in particular. Adam is is relevant because he's done, he's made a lot of money on um, on marketing and product. He definitely knows his stuff and he chose his metrics. His metrics, if you look at his page, he has loads of interactions on social media and he's very good at building up the email list. Those are his tools. So I'd say pick your tools and measure build an audience and then measure how your audience interacts yeah i mean even for things like articles i look at okay well what articles have got the most traffic in the past okay that's a topic that i need to write about more just like you were talking about with vapor same thing for me for articles that i write i don't care about like super granular google analytics style reports that look at like cohort demographic uh, none of that matters uh, like i just want to see what the most po- and this is why fathom exists i just want to see the most popular shit on my site and be okay this is what i need more of and in fathom it takes two seconds because you just load the dashboard and there's all the data and i tell you what i think it also depends on the kind of marketing you're doing thinking about it yeah. So if you're doing a lot of social media, like you said, not everyone uses it, but if you're doing a lot of social media, the actual traffic to your website might not be as interesting to you because most of it stays on the social media platforms. Whereas if you're doing lots of content marketing, the website analytics becomes more relevant. So I just, I'm looking at our Fathom dashboard right now and we do a lot of content. It's, it is interesting to look. So that anonymization article we wrote a year ago, that still gets loads of traffic. Oh, I know. And so that's now, so me reading that as a business, me reading that, talking to you, I'm thinking, huh, we should write more about the tech, the privacy tech and talk about the details and what we do, because clearly people are still interested in that. People are still finding Mm -hmm. it and everything else. Um, So it is interesting when you're doing content marketing to have something that you can actually measure things with, because it does actually help guide you. And honestly, me and Paul have been talking about this extensively. We need to put together resources that actually teach you how to think about this and tie it to your business. Um, And we're going Mm -hmm. to be doing that. I think we've already started doing that. Paul's putting together some video. Hey, let's talk about your videos. Yeah. I was going to say... Well, we can in Fathom, because we have the bump page for Google, because it scrubs all um, refer data to them because we are using their platform, but we don't want to give them data that they don't have to have. We can, we track that as a goal internally, right? Like we use, it's pretty smart, right? And this really helps us to see, okay, how many people have clicked on this from Twitter Versus how many people are finding this organically through YouTube. So every time somebody hits that interim page, the bump page, um, that that pushes people to Google from Twitter or from LinkedIn, they we can see that as a goal. Like this video was watched this many times because we have a goal on that page. Goals are, are part of Fathom Analytics, right? So we're using tools to, one, increase the digital privacy of people going to YouTube. But two, it's a it's a valuable metric for us to see, okay, well, this, this video is more popular than this video. So maybe I need to make more content with better backlighting. I mean, I don't think that's possible. I think my backlighting is phenomenal at this point. <laughs> But, I mean, we can use this data to to help guide future content or future business decisions, which I think is awesome. I forgot about this. I forgot we had a goal for the YouTube video watching. That's done really well. Yeah. So congratulations on that. Um, yeah, we're definitely, we're, for version three, we're gonna, we said we aren't going to talk about too much about what we're working on because we've got a lot of things and it's just, we want to get some stuff out before we keep talking about it. But we are going to be tidying up the goal section and making it more flexible because the goal, yes. goals are exciting. Goals are very exciting. Yeah, so are YouTube videos. Yeah, YouTube videos. So you've decided to become a YouTuber. 
I I have. Yeah. I'm that that's that's my life now. I guess you were proper. <laughs> um, I got a bunch of. I I think it's funny because like I spent about a week learning how to use Premiere Pro, um, which has been hard but interesting. And now. I feel like I can edit videos pretty well. I invested not a ton of money because I already had a lot of setup. All, all the audio gear I've had from being a professional podcaster mm-hmm. or whatever that is. But I did get uh, two new Hue lights. So the background in the videos are our purple and our green from from our brand, which I think is awesome. Yeah. I have two El, Elgato, Elago, what are they called? The key lights? I know what you mean, yep. I have two um, basically lights that I can adjust the brightness and temperature on that sit in front of me so my face isn't lit um, from the backlights. And I got a new lens for my camera. I've had an, a Sony a6500 for ages that, I've, that I use as my webcam, but that I also use to make videos for my courses. And I got a new um, lens for that, a Sigma 16mm, oh my um, which is pretty good. I feel, yeah, like, I mean, I have invested a bit more money um, and I probably, yeah, probably a bit less than a thousand bucks in the last couple, in the last month or so with the lighting um, and the lens, but I think it's worth it. I think I'm really happy with the quality of the video, uh, of the videos that were, that were making for Fathom. And I think videos have just such a, there you're able to explain things so much easier like the dashboard walkthrough i don't care if that video goes viral but if somebody has a question about our dashboard and we can refer them to the video they see me clicking in real time while i'm talking about how our dashboard works and that's huge for support yeah no i i honestly i love i love the videos they're really good they're really really entertaining I try to throw, yeah, I try to throw some of my um, bad humor in there as well. I mean, it'd be cool if you could build a business without doing podcasts and videos. That'd be really impressive. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I don't think videos or podcasts are bad or wrong. I think that they can help. I know, I know you're taking the piss out of somebody. I know you're taking the piss out of somebody. I'm in the mood to throw some shots, but I don't think I'm going to. uh, What a stupid thing though. Imagine marketing on that. So there are certain things you can do in marketing that aren't actually, um, like they are unethical. I mean, targeting people on Facebook for a privacy focused business um, or in general, you know, it's a questionable thing. But the idea that creating videos and doing podcasts, what? what? Anyway, I'm not going to talk around this too much. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to throw shots. I can't be bothered, to be honest with you. But if they're listening, they know that they're idiots. And that is my little shot of the day. <laughs> the end. <laughs> so, yes, you're making yeah, videos. It's, it's, funny what people, it's funny what people in the, eth- in the ethical, air quote, space think are as ethical and unethical. I don't think making content is unethical. It's the, well, it's, it's this, just, is, this is where we get radical. So we'll talk, this is an interesting topic. When you're in this privacy-focused space, you do get a, a segment of, of what I call radicals. And it's where nothing you ever do will be enough, right? It will always be, oh, but you should be doing this. And now we do talk about it. We talk about Facebook advertising. And I know, I mean, I have friends that, that work in Facebook advertising. There are people that are listening that will use Facebook adverts. It's like, we're not shaming people for that. We're saying that we don't want to do that. And you're right about why you don't feel comfortable doing that. And you'll write your thoughts. But the radicals in the privacy space do get a bit over the top. So if you're doing, I mean, if you're, if you're bypassing an ad blocker, for example, 
they will be offended by that. Even though the most people use ad blockers, why do, why do you install an ad blocker? To block Facebook, yeah. to block being tracked around the internet and being had, having a... And I user. use one personally for that so do reason. I. So do I. I use it and I see on, um, on websites, I see the number seven pop up for the ad, ads being blocked. I don't... If a privacy-focused company, which doesn't keep data on me, I mean, we store it for less than 24 hours in a hash that we can't actually decrypt or anything like that. I don't care. Why would someone care about that? So you get the radicals that do care about that kind of thing. And you get the radicals about everything. Oh, you're using you're using Google to search. Oh, my God. Or, oh, you know, just stupid stuff. I think that when you have views like that, that don't butt up against reason and, and having reasonable thought, it becomes problematic. It's just like veganism. I don't even think I brought up veganism in the last it's podcast, while, which is kind of funny. I know it's been at least one a week. It's just like, well, well, you shouldn't drive a car because oil is made from like <laughs> <Yeah>. dead dinosaurs <laughs> in the ground. Or, or when you drive, you might run over a slug or bugs might hit your windscreen and die. Yeah, yeah. And that's fine. That's, that's completely unreasonable. I, 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 might, I don't want to eat animals, but I'm also a reasonable human being that exists in the world. So if I was a privacy-focused company that's just like, okay, privacy above all else. So I'm going to block Google from indexing my site, right? Because Google <laughs> yeah. is bad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to market in any way because then that might show up on the internet. Sales I'm, is bad. Nobody's going to know nobody's yeah sales are really bad sales are unethical anyways so nobody's <laughs> going to know about my privacy company my privacy company is going to be so private you're not even going to know the name of it <laughs> like uh, it just it it gets to a point of we possess most of us possess some of us possess the ability to have reasonable thoughts in our head and challenge our own ideas to see is this thing reasonable or not Right. And I mean, you and I had this conversation about using YouTube in the first place. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, I'm sure people don't like that we do. But I think that reasonably, this is where everybody spends their time. Um, if they're watching videos, if our videos can help people, uh, we might as well put them on a place that people spend time. We'll do our best to scrub all personal data from referral traffic through our bump pages. And I feel good about that. I feel like we're a business. We're still trying to make money. And we're using platforms that exist that already like if there was a privacy focused alternative that had the amount of audience that YouTube used had, yeah, that's what we would use. But there isn't one. P- people like the reasoning. Though. The reasoning was to target people already on YouTube. So I don't think that that's yes. a, a negative one. I mean, that's pretty simple. I have not heard any complaints about that. To be honest, I've only heard good. No, things. Me, me neither. Yeah, but um, so, I mean, everybody everybody likes my lighting. That's, yes, that's the main takeaway that true. I've got. So this is one of the risks when you get in, because a lot of people want to get into this ethical privacy focused tech area because it's hot and it is hot, right? I understand why people want to, but you do get into this stupid, the competitiveness comes down to, oh, but they're doing this. And it's not even, it's not rational. We're more private than you. Yeah, We're more ethical than you. We'll use the word reasonable. And you've got to be reasonable with, with things. Oh, they don't block Googlebot or, oh, they're doing, they've got a podcast or they're doing my, don't be stupid so you get into the um into the not the trenches but you get into the weeds right and it just becomes this stupid um one-upsmanship pissing contest pissing on oh yeah Yeah. like one-upsmanship and it's just boring it's really boring at the end of the day if you because people have messaged me and um a chat messaged me and i was trying to help him because he was actually he was asking me about the the marketing of a privacy focused company and i just i can't answer that because it doesn't come from marketing it comes from your principles but when we think about things, we think about how can we protect users' privacy? 
right? That's where you start. We don't, yeah, I don't think obsessing about all these irrelevant things helps. So I think we just got to be reasonable and critical. I think as well, like our, our main focus with privacy is one that is how our product was built. And then we just market the fact that this is what we truly believe in. And second, we want to be comp- like, I care more about compliance with laws, new and upcoming laws, than if we can be, if we can one up um, other people <laughs> oh, in the space. Well I, I give well zero said. fucks about yeah, that. Well I, I want to protect our customers and that's, that's priority number one. Yeah. So damn true, man. <laughs> so damn true. <laughs> so uh, yeah, ethical tech is a very interesting space. Um, definitely not short of people that want to virtue signal. And that's something we don't ever want to do. And we, you know, we do talk about Google. We always aim at Google because yeah, we talked about Google before, but I don't think we virtue signal. I don't think we've ever virtue signaled. I think um, no. I mean, we state facts. We cite resources. We cite we cite um, resources. Somebody mentioned that in the um, in the latest YouTube video, and so I did link to the blog post that we do cite all our resources. Citing resources in a video is fucking boring. I'm not going to no, do that. I, I know, but I, know. I do agree that we should cite our resources. So I link to the blog post that does cite our resources for the studies and for the stats that I referenced. So that was a great that was a great comment. You know what we do? What we need to do on our YouTube landing pages is we need to have multiple buttons i think so you can click watch on youtube watch through privacy protecting i think that would be good because we're linking people from twitter we don't necessarily want them to go on youtube you know we discussed before right now they might want to watch it but not go onto youtube and that's a small segment of people we've also everyone watches youtube we know whether we like it or not we Mm -hmm. watch youtube um it will be do you have a burner account for youtube i have a burner account (laughs) I actually don't. I honestly, YouTube. Is, I also click on videos and let them autoplay in the background that have nothing to do with anything, just to fuck with the algorithm. Of course you do. Yeah, honestly, why not? I, I, with YouTube, I don't watch anything. I, I know. Honestly, I need to. I need to think more about this because YouTube is owned by Google. I don't stress. I mean, Google Analytics, I do stress about because that's every single website you visit. That's crazy. 85, 85% of websites on the internet use Google Analytics. And I think when I'm on YouTube, I know I'm on a Google property. I know, and I feel like I'm consenting by being there. But I'm visiting a website, yeah. over a, you know, 100,000 websites and Google's watching me throughout the whole thing. Then I, then I have a few more problems, yeah. you know. So it's a bit different. In and then mind. I don't know if Chrome or Brave has this, but in Firefox, you can you can add a container. So oh, Facebook gets put that. in a container, Amazon gets put in a container, and YouTube, Google get put in a container. So even if you don't go to the level that I do, where I have like a burner Gmail account that I use to watch videos with, and nothing else is logged in, and I don't visit any other websites on the internet with it, you can use containers to contain that information because getting analytics on the platform you're on that's i don't have a problem with that if if the company is collecting analytics for the thing that you're viewing that's fine if they're following you around the internet then that's not fine depends on the analytics they're collecting though as well right because when you get to facebook and it depends what you're doing if you're just watching videos facebook you're having conversations they're tracking that we're we're definitely when i use facebook i put way much too much on facebook in the messages that kind of thing so I think I have much more of a problem with that. If I'm just watching videos, yeah, for me personally, I'm consenting to be on their platform. I'm watching videos. Yeah. I'm just whatever. But yeah, like YouTube's an interesting one because you've got no alternative, have you? You know, don't watch videos. Oh, okay. Okay. 
God. Yeah. Or, or use this platform that nobody has ever heard of and nobody ever goes to. Yeah. And I swear all the other video platforms that were competing, I'm pretty sure they just got filled up with porn. I really do just think that's what happens in the end. <laughs> and it just becomes completely unusable and just... That's the entire internet though. Oh, do you remember Tumblr? Was it Tumblr? They banned porn and then they yes. lost half of their yeah. traffic or something. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is just the internet. <laughs> oh, dear <sighs> me. So yeah, YouTube uh, videos are going well, and we will continue to market through channels that we consider to be ethical and fun. Hey, let's talk about Statamic. Statamic has launched version three. This is an advert. And Statamic, for people that don't know what it is, I mean, everybody that listens to this to this show knows Statamic because we talk about Jack McDade every day. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> But it's a CMS that's basically flat like file. WordPress, but better in every single way. And it's flat file. Flat file meaning you don't need a database to use it, which yes. they they pioneered this. And I remember it was, I remember being, I was a lot younger actually when I learned about this. It's huge. I mean, you don't need to use a database. No MySQL stuff. You just run it and it stores it in files. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. So Like WordPress, but better in every oh, single it's way. It's way better than WordPress. Yes, the TAMIC <laughs> is incredible really good marketing on their website i'm loving what i see and we're moving to version three and they're going to help us migrate to version three and then we're actually moving away at the moment we use aws for our deployment of the marketing site access logs turned off that kind of stuff we're actually moving to a vercel and uh, vercel they don't keep access logs and they're fast and they're a cool they're a cool bunch of guys we've spoken to them um well we've only spoken to a cool bunch of guys so we've spoken to what three four of them really nice bunch yeah so yeah. um yeah cool team and we're going to we're going to move to them and we're going to be happy and then rather than me having to clear the cache manually all the time we're we going to have going our to workflow a- currently is i publish a blog post and then i ask jack on telegram to clear the cache so i can see it on the live site yeah so the, the problem here is i have i have <laughs> aggressive caching in place and it makes things ridiculously fast really really fast through a cdn but the downside is that paul hasn't got um I mean, I could give you access to the Amazon web console, but I think that would just... I'd probably fuck it up. Yeah, that would annoy you. I'd fuck it up. I feel that would annoy you. That would be worse. So yeah, we're moving to Vercel. Vercel are the best for um, static. We're going to have it static so it all compiles and then um, goes live. Vercel are the best for that. I mean, Netlify exists, but nah, I'm not going to use Netlify. So they're slower too. Yeah, exactly. We're going to use the best. Vercel is focused on just one thing. They built Next.js as well. They're a really good, cool company. So we're going to be using them. And uh, yeah, we're excited for that. And uh, one thing we said we wouldn't talk about future things, but want to update all the customers that are listening. We are about to get fully stuck into a migration to Elasticsearch. So things are going to be much, much faster. We're looking to speed up the aggregation, that kind of thing. It's going to be a bit of a big project, but we're doing this before version three. Okay. And um and then, yeah, then we'll be ready to play around with the API and everything else. We have so much that we're working on, but this is going to be the first focus. And then um, we'll update as we get this done. So, Yeah, it has to be. And it's funny, too, because our, our product is so fast to begin with. A lot of people say that, man. They're like, what are you talking about speed improvements? I know. So I see you tweeting know, about speed but... improvements. I don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> it's still, it can still be fine. And, and that's the thing, right? Like, we think that we can do better and in all the areas where we think we can do better than we want to like that's just that's just how it works we we have pride um in our product and we like that our product does what it does um as good or better than anybody else so we want to we don't we we can't just rest on our laurels like yeah this is this is good enough no i don't i don't want to do that 
I want our product to be better. Um, and we're, oh, we're launching a course as well. So we <laughs> I want to get to talk about it. Why not? So uh, me, Paul and Alex Debris are working on a course called DynamoDB for Laravel. What's happening is Fathom's being moved to DynamoDB, um, a fully serverless, infinitely scalable database solution. Alex is helping us do that. And then we're going to document everything we learn and we're going to um, share it with the Laravel community. Uh, one other tech thing, we haven't mentioned, uh, we haven't mentioned Shrems 2. So everyone knows about the Max Schrems ruling about um, data transfer out of the EU and into the US because the privacy shield is now invalidated. We have an awesome privacy officer who knows more about this probably than 99% of people in the world. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. Like the depth, she, she knows about every data author and everything. So we've spoken to her and um, at the moment we're not making any moves. We've got, a, we've got I think two or three technical plans on what we could do. But we're waiting for data authorities in the EU to actually say what the practical guidance is. Because right now you've got Max Schrems who was going after Facebook and Google. He's suing he's suing them or you know, he sued Google, that was it. And it was now the the privacy shield's gone. So the whole premise is that you shouldn't be transferring personal information from outside, from the EU into the United States, right? And that's fine, but what the implications are of that is that's I mean you can't use Cloudflare you can't use DigitalOcean you can't use DigitalOcean because it's a US based company it doesn't matter if you're hosted in the EU the company that owns it is um, I believe it's is it Pfizer the the spying law in the US uh, do you remember the name of it I uh, no I can't remember the name so of there's it. a law in the US but yeah the implications and ramifications huge. would be ridiculous so, but I mean I think I don't think people I don't think everybody maybe people do maybe I just didn't understand but there's such a difference I mean before we shifted to sexy analytics in the privacy <laughs> space there's such a difference between a, a law and case law butting up against it right like the law ex can exist but until there's case law until there's examples of rulings for or against it it's really hard to interpret okay what does this actually mean and what do we actually have to do so the fact that shrems is basically uh, for a lot of these privacy laws he's the first person to sue yeah for all, like these laws go into effect and he the next day there's a lawsuit which is really interesting and really cool because it starts to build a precedent it starts to build case law and it starts to build okay this is what happened because this happened so this is what we have to do versus here's how i'm in interpreting the law and i think and hope that this is correct pretty much yeah no i agree with that so huge implications and again just to be clear if you're in the us and you're selling to customers in the eu and you're using digital ocean or you're using aws um, your privacy shield the transfer of personal data has now been invalidated so advice, the guidance that we've been listening to has pretty much been don't panic. You know, the EU is working with the US. It does feel like a bit of a trade war, the EU and the US with everything, because it's basically, it seems to be saying you must use an EU-based company if you want to process any, and processing data, we're talking about IP address. IP address is personal information under GDPR. They're saying if you want to process that, you must be in the EU. So this does sound like uh, trade war territory against the United States. And, and, and I understand, like, you know, the United States has this law where they can just um, get data on people they want to spy on. 
I understand why people are disturbed by that. I, I really do. Um, but the the EU are now talking with the US trade of I don't remember what it is. I've, I've, I've forgotten the article, but um, they're talking and we're just sitting back, seeing what happens and we're not rushing into anything. But if it does turn out that there can't be an agreement made and it does end up in this trade warlike situation, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be routing um, EU customers through to EU based services and they won't ever touch the US because, yeah, that's crazy. And I, I feel bad for people if you're listening to this as well. You can't. You probably can't use cloud. You can't use Cloudflare. Cloudflare is a US-based company, and even if you had a subsidiary of a US-based company, it still has access as the owner of that company. So you're in a very. You basically have to double up everything. Like everything on the internet needs to separate and build a new between, company. Dude. You build a new company because yeah, yeah. a US company. But then even if you were processing personal data and you're a US company, the US government could still have access to that data. On the basis that, so it's then saying oh it's crazy. So we're in a crazy position right now. We're not making any fast moves. Uh, we're very fortunate that we have an incredible privacy officer who is keeping an eye on things. She's working. She's working with some big clients now, man. It's really cool to have her. But um, yeah, yeah. So we've got her. She's keeping an eye on things, and we will do whatever we're required to do by the data authorities and everyone else. But the main thing to take away from this is, if you're a Fathom customer we've got you don't worry and we'll update you with anything you might need to do as we learn it as well we'll send out an email and um we're not, yeah, we're not lawyers. We're staying on top of it yeah it's not legal advice but as as your friendly neighborhood privacy focused company we'll we'll share things with you don't worry about that and we'll we'll make sure all that content is sexy absolutely and on that note on the note of sexy um yeah check out the blog the blog post or check out our blog for more information and um i hope you enjoy today's podcast yeah, catch you next week or so. Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs>